Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to episode two of the On the Four Check podcast. My name is Brian Baston, a writer for On the Four Check and joining me today for today's uh, episode one of the of our draft preview is uh, Eric and Eamon. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, doing pretty good. Doing well. So yeah, we're gonna go through and we're gonna do the, We're gonna kind of simulate what we're gonna see on on night one um, of the draft this time. So we're gonna do. We're gonna start by going through um, each of the t- top ten picks. I'm gonna let each of you guys pick the top ten for each of the teams as if you were the GM. And then after we get through that, we'll go to Nashville and we'll do a little bit of talk about what Nashville could do at pick number 11. Um, the only caveat I think I'll start with is that we're going to just assume no trades uh, in the in the top 10, at least not involving Nashville. So that way we can kind of, you know, because I don't see Nashville going up to, to get anything in the top 10. Uh, you guys probably agree with that, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, that, that won't happen. Okay, well, good. All right, so first up, the first pick, as we as we all know, um, went to the Rangers, and so we'll start with Eric this time. Who are you taking? I know this will be a huge mystery. Oh, wow. Well, to be honest, in real life, I would trade back to the Kings, but um, I am obviously going to take uh, Alexis Lafreniere, um, the Ramuski Oceanic. Uh, I mean, you know, we do this every year. There's like, a, oh. How close is number two to number one? Um, and it's usually never really that close. Um, he's the consensus best player in the class. Uh, only one that should go first overall. So, Eamon? I mean, there's not there's not a lot to say about Lafreniere that's not already been said by everybody else on a TV or radio or whatever you've heard about him or read about him. He's just really good. Um there's not really a flaw to his game. He's really good at shooting the puck. He's also really good at making plays with it. He's a great skater. He thinks the game really well in all phases. Um, you know, and like the, like Eric said, like people have been trying to make it like a whole, oh, is Quentin Byfield actually better prospect than Lafreniere? No, he isn't. Um, I, I feel like the only argument you could ever make, uh, to draw any sort of comparison between the two of them, cause the gap is pretty significant, is just that, uh, Oh, uh, Byfield is a little bit younger than Lafreniere. Uh, he's actually a decent bit younger. Yeah, but I, significantly I younger. <laughs> yeah, he's a good bit younger than him. But how, how, I, what, what is the age difference for somebody ignorant, like you know, if they were listening and didn't know much about the draft? Not definitely not me. It's definitely it's like well <laughs> over a year, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, Byfield turned eighteen last month. Um, a little over a month ago, actually. Uh, Lafreniere turned will be turning uh, 19 in a couple weeks. So okay. you guys made it sound like it was a, like a huge like two year gap or something. Okay, I mean that's oh, pretty no, significant. But a year is yeah is huge. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we'll we'll do this snake style. Amen. What would you pick if you were Los Angeles at the second overall? Uh, I feel I feel like this should you know be more clear cut than a lot of uh journalists are making it lately it's Quentin Byfield Quentin Byfield's the second best prospect in the draft um 
it's not even close. Uh, he's, you know, a really good, really solid skater for somebody of his size. He's really good in the tight areas. Um, you know, usually with those big prospects, you expect them to be excessively physical and that's kind of your selling point with them. But it's more so with him. He's six foot four, got a big frame on him already for somebody of that young age, like we mentioned earlier. And he's just, uh, really dynamic with the puck. Uh, he can add kind of a little bit more of a physical element to his game, kind of bully through players a little more than he does now. But it's not exactly a liability. I think the only concerns that you really have is um, his defensive game needs a little bit of work to it. Um, he could be a little more engaged off of the puck. But it's not an effort thing. I think it's just uh, you get him in the right coaching system. You give him another year to develop. Uh, and then you see what you have in him. Uh, but he's he's going to be a really productive center in the NHL level regardless. Uh, he has all of the tools that it takes, and he's just a gem of a prospect. And any other year, you're pretty heavily considering him at number one. But Lafreniere is just firing away the best player in this draft. All right, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like add too much to who Byfield is as a player because it's pretty accurate. Um, I would, I would slightly disagree with the not even close description of two and three. Um, I'll be honest and say I don't think you can go wrong if you're the Kings here taking Tim Stutzla. Uh, you know, obviously, like, centers are, you know, such a coveted asset, and I get that. The Kings are also pretty heavily stocked at center in their pipeline, um, which is why, uh, you know, Tim Stutzla is, is, you know, maybe a little less dynamic in a power forward sense. He is uh, maybe a little more timid on the puck, some could say. Uh, but I think the skill is near equivalent. And um, I think Stutzla is going to be, if not just as good an NHL player, very close to Byfield for a long time to come. So, so do you know, you, I would are, also say Byfield, but I don't think it's that far off. Okay, so you are you would pick you'd pick Byfield as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right, I, so I think we're in agreement on the Stutzla point too. Okay, so um, things can get interesting here. Uh, well, maybe not here, but in, in a couple picks. But this is uh, Ottawa's pick at number three, the first of two in the top five. So Eric, who are you taking third? I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, they do have a little bit of calculus to hear in that they do have two picks on nearly back to back. But uh, I think you know, for me, it's Tim Stutzla. Um, you know, it's it's hard because, you know, coming out of the DEL in Germany, it's not a league that we have a ton of, like, tested sample size of draft-eligible prospects and how they measure up. Um, you know, compared to, like, Canadian juniors, we can say, okay, well, Alexis Lafreniere scored you know, 112 points in his draft year. So, you know, we know what that means relative to his peers. Uh, you know, whereas Germany, it's a little bit harder, but you're talking about right. somebody who's 17 years old playing in a professional league in Europe, you know, not the best professional league in Europe, but a very good one uh, with a lot of former NHLers, uh, and who was, you know, excellent for his, his Mannheim team. I mean, he was a near point per game player, uh, 34 points in 41 games, uh, as a 17 year old for a good part of the year, um, you know, that's just not something we've really ever seen um, a lot coming out of Germany. Uh, you really have to look back to Leon Dreisaitl, who was also taken third overall. Uh, so, I mean, he's just so skilled. He's so dynamic. Uh, he loves to shoot. Um, he's a great – he's just got a creative touch with the puck on a stick. Um, 
that really can fool defenders and, and open up a lot of space for teammates and um, really just create plays uh, out of nothing. So I think he's such a dynamic forward, and uh, he's a really good skater. Uh, so uh, I have no real concerns about anything holding him back, um, you know, at the professional level. Okay. Eamon, how about you? Uh, I, w- I would have to agree there. you gotta, you got to go with Stutzler there. Um, I mean, he's... He's just, he's very similar to, um, another prospect that we're probably gonna end up talking about in a minute here. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, the main thing with him that kind of makes him stand out among other prospects in this class, uh, and that makes him kind of argumentative with Byfield for that number two spot is he's so good at executing at speed. Um, and that's something that you need more and more from a top forward prospect when you're looking at how they project to the National Hockey League now. Uh, you know, uh, you, you look at a guy like Byfield, who's pretty good at that, but um, maybe, you know, he's not he's not got blistering skating speed when it comes to that versus uh, Stutzla. He may not project to be a center at the NHL level, uh, given size concerns and stuff like that, uh, but he's he's got all of the tools to be a really, really effective winger if he does decide to convert over there, which he likely will. Um, he's just he's just so blindingly quick uh, and he actually takes that speed and converts it into offensive chances rather than kind of just flying around the zone but not really doing anything with it. He's not a guy who's afraid to take chances um, or shoot the puck, which is something that I also like to look for when it comes to, you know, a player who's really creative or skilled. You don't want to just see them passing up on opportunities. They need to have that aggressive mentality. So he's he's the total package in terms of an offensive prospect. Uh, there's a whole lot to like about him. I stand by Eric's point area earlier that uh you could argue him over byfield uh it's maybe a little bit closer than i was making it out to be i still think byfield is clearly the better prospect but um he's clear number three for me here okay so here is where i'm actually going to have a draft opinion um i know this is mind-blowing but so i was looking at this and ottawa could probably use a good center and i i think if they go with uh, Stutzel at Stutzel. How do you say, how do you say it correctly? Stutzel. I lived in Germany. I should know that. Um, if would they take a chance? You think there's a chance they would go Rossi at number three to have that center, and then because they'd have more options, I guess, at, at, at forward or if they want to go defense uh, at five. Because I don't think Rossi's going to Marco Rossi's going to go past number four. Uh, I do think that's a possibility. I could very much see them taking Rossi at three. Uh, I mean, they have the luxury of getting a lot of face time with Marco Rossi and Jack Quinn this season, mm-hmm. uh, having them play in the same city. Um, but I'm not convinced that Stutzla is going to be an automatic winger at the NHL. I'm also not convinced Marco Rossi necessarily gets taken at four. So, okay. Um, but I could see Ottawa doing that. Okay. All right. Well, it's not as far it's not as far out as I was I was thinking it was going to be when I, after I said it. So okay, sounds good. All right. So we are um, three for three, being the same pick so far. So let's go with number four with Detroit. Um, had an awful season and get, gets rewarded with the fourth <laughs> overall pick. Um, it's hard for me to not to laugh at that some, but um, okay. So I believe this is uh, Amen. I think you're first, right? You you picked second. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, there, there are a couple of players you can consider here. Um, 
I, I have one in mind. I, I <laughs> thank you, Matt. That was really helpful. Uh, I, I probably would have to go with Marco Rossi here, um, but there are two others that I have in mind um, that uh, I'm sure Eric would be willing to make an argument for. So I don't I don't think this is a clear-cut pick at all. Um, Detroit has a lot of players that they've been rumored to like. Uh, I know I like a lot of players at this spot. The problem with the top eight in this draft this year is that once you get out of, you know, uh, Byfield, Stutzla, and uh, – Lafreniere, I feel like it all becomes pretty muddy in terms of the talent pool because everybody is pretty similar to each other um, in terms of being a quality prospect. There are a lot of guys that you could go with here, but I, I personally love Rossi. He's he's one of the best skaters, if not the best skater in this draft. Um, he's, he's, again, kind of similar to Stutzel in a lot of ways, uh, very dynamic with the puck on his stick, executes at speed, which is something you look for. Um, I, again... You know, you have to think about center versus winger or whatever, but I wouldn't worry about that too much with him. I feel like he strongly projects as a center. I know one or two people who feel like maybe he doesn't, but I, I think that's kind of ridiculous to think about. Um, but I would be interested to see him go this high. I've seen other people who put him as low as like seven or eight in this draft, wow. uh, which is pretty nutty to me. Um, but yeah, I would I would put him here. There may be one or two other people that I think you could make an argument for, but he would probably be my pick. All right. So, Eric, are we going to break the streak here with you? Uh, wait, what's the streak? Oh, <laughs> what picking, picking the same players. Oh, so um, yeah, I mean, it's probably who I would go with. I think it's uh, – I think Eamon is right. It's largely interchangeable at this point. Uh, sorry, I was looking ahead to my pick a little too much that I kind of – wasn't paying attention, but yeah, I agree. Mar- Rossi's, you know, probably the fourth best player in this draft. Um, and I think he's a good, clearly a center. Uh, he's a very cerebral player. Uh, and one thing I noticed about his game that I really appreciate is, um, I think he's someone that, you know, we talk a lot about transition in like a north south, like getting from defensive zone to offensive zone rate. And that's obviously, you know, a good thing to monitor. But one thing that Rossi, I think it really excels at is turning puck battles, you know, along the boards or one-on-ones or, you know, you know, instances where he's having to protect the puck uh, to maintain possession, uh, turns those instances into scoring chances and cycles, like, really quickly. Like, he can come off the boards, you know, from a quick battle, uh, and within seconds, he's either setting up a teammate or charging towards a high-danger area. And so, I think that's really something underrated that we don't take it into stock a lot, and I think he's really good at it. So I would say, yeah, because, I mean, I think about that when you talk about, um, you know, being able to go laterally and be able to move off the boards coming into, you know, in and out of the zone. And I think about, you know, one of the things I had about Kevin Fiala was, you know, he was one of the best players in the NHL a couple of years back at, at his transition game. But the thing he struggled with is he entered the zone cleanly and then immediately just like it was a magnet, just go to the board and then get thrown off the puck. And um, so, I mean, I imagine that, you know, having somebody who can, if he gets to the boards or he gets pinned up or he gets into a puck battle, you know, he can, you know, being able to generate chances like that is is, is pretty valuable to have. And um, I've actually watched some stuff on, on Rossi, so I, I like him a lot. I, maybe I'm a little bit higher than on, than most. Oh, I can't say higher because I wouldn't pick him over. I'd maybe pick him at three, but um, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so now we're back to Ottawa. This is Ottawa's second pick. Um, this is – no, the, the third pick was the one from San Jose. So this is their actual pick at number five. 
And so, Eric, who are you taking at number five with Ottawa's second pick of the first round? I think this might be a hot take. I deliberated a lot over this, and I'm about to I'm about to do throw it. some expectations out the window. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Lucas Raymond, uh, and the that is for a couple reasons. So I think conventional wisdom would probably suggest that Ottawa goes forward and D with their top two picks, which is fine. I think a Jamie Drysdale pick here is more than appropriate. Um, but this is also a team that has 13 picks in this draft, which is insane. And this also is a team that is not, um, I think, as thin on defense as I think people just assume they are because it's Ottawa. I mean, you've got Thomas Shabbat, right, who's clearly a number one defenseman. Uh, and then behind him, you know, behind all the bad NHL defensemen, they have um, Eric Brandstrom, the star of the Mark Stone trade, He's really good. Uh, they've got Lassie Thompson, uh, their top pick from last year. They've got Artem Zub, uh, who's had been excellent in the KHL. Uh, and even on the back end of that, you've got someone like Christian Yarish, who I think could be, you know, a legit NHL defender. So, you know, this is a team that I don't think is, like, really itching for a number one defender. Um, and, like, you've already got Stutzla. Now you're adding Raymond, who is just, I mean, not quite as elite of a shooter as as – Alexander Holtz, but an excellent shooter. I mean, has a great arsenal on a stick, uh, deceptive release. Um, you know, doesn't isn't someone you know we think of shooters as people who are players who are always trying to like pick corners, but um, like he doesn't discriminate. Like he can you know utilize weaknesses um, lower on a goalie, uh, much to his advantage. And I think he's just got great vision with the puck. He's always got his head up in transition. Uh, in the cycle, off the rush, whatever, um, and he doesn't slow down. So, uh, you know, I think there's certainly some flaws to his game, uh, much like pretty much everyone from here on out. Um, but you're talking about someone who I think can score 40 goals in the NHL, uh, and, I mean, like, adding them alongside Tim Stutzla would be fantastic. All right, Eamon, for, for you. I think I'm going to surprise Eric here by agreeing with him. Oh, come um, on. No, but but I will say he's definitely for the sake of being different. I can go with Jamie Drysdale here. No, no, but uh, go with what you, what you were. What you I were mean, doing. I I genuinely believe he's the fifth best player in this draft. Um, it's it's again, it's really neck and neck. Um, but I I feel like Ottawa with uh you know Dorian. I feel like as the GM has to be realistic about the ownership situation. Um, and know that he needs to be drafting BPA, best player available, almost any time he goes up there with this kind of value in the draft. Um, you know, it's, it, it'd be nice to add a player like Jamie Drysdale, uh, who I'm sure we'll be talking about in a minute here. Uh, but Lucas Raymond is, I mean, he's quite good. And if you're adding another guy uh, up front who could be just as good as Tim Stutzla, I mean, I would still say Stutzla is, clearly the better prospect but Raymond brings that goal scoring with him he's pretty solid as a two-way player already um you know there there have been a couple of dumb things that have knocked him coming out before the draft uh particularly there have been some really weird rumors about like personality stuff and everything that I've seen which I don't know where that's coming from because like then you hear GMs talking about it or like scouts who have met with him and they're like he seems like a great kid I don't know what the issue is uh, but he definitely deserves to go this high. Um, I know there's been a lot of, uh, talk about, 
you know, they should go forward in D. But in my opinion, Ottawa, like Eric said, has pretty solid depth in the minors when it comes to that, especially with that uh, star prospect coming back in uh, the Mark Stone trade. And uh, ah, shit, I just completely forget his name. Eric Brandstrom. Brandstrom. I always mix him up with Emil Bemstrom for some reason. But anyways, uh, they they have they have a pretty solid uh, prospect system when it comes to defense. They don't have enough coming up besides, uh, you know, Colin White's already an NHLer, and they have a couple other nice pieces uh, moving into the lineup. But they don't have anybody who's going to be a true impact winger um, in that system as of yet. Um, and I, I think Raymond would be an ideal addition. All right. So before we move on from here, uh, I've got three things I want to to address before we move on to the rest of the top five. First one is um, the Lightning are officially now Stanley Cup champions. Ooh. Uh, well, no, man. It's, I'll, I'll take it over Dallas. Yeah, that's um, fair. I don't. I didn't. After seeing, you know, everybody. It's not to say, like about the Lightning. Come on. I mean, yeah, I live down there. It's actually the only play, only playoff games I've ever seen in person were on their last Cup run. So, um, uh, shout out to Hobby Bulin, you know. So, um, but yeah. So that was number one. Second question is, do either of you think it is likely that Ottawa moves one of these two picks for a player because looking at cap friendly, which is something that I didn't realize until just today, they've got a cool $43 million in cap space. Um, and I know they're one of those teams that doesn't, they have their own internal ceiling. Right. And so, you know, do you see them trading for somebody, uh, you know, somebody who can contribute in the top six or, or, you know, in the, in the top, uh, uh, so, top three defensemen? My response to you is, what team's trading up into the top five? I don't know. I mean, that's I, this is I'm asking. I mean, this is again. I when it comes <laughs> to the draft, I think, I think if, about I think NFL dra- drafting, and so I, I mean, think if if that opportunity presented itself, then like sure, it's certainly something I would entertain, depending on who the player is. But like looking at the teams outside of the top ten, because none of them are going to move that hard, far, far up. Nashville, I'm not going to trade. Florida. Any of their valuable pieces are largely free agents. Um, Carolina, not going to trade up. Edmonton, I mean, I don't know. I heard Ryan Nugent Hopkins' name is out there. But uh, Toronto, not going to move up. Like, no, I don't think any of these teams really have the capability to move up and that are trying to offload someone as well. Well, I, I think what about, you know, say somebody that's just outside. They want to jump ahead of – they want to jump ahead of Detroit or they want to jump ahead and, you know, just to to get somebody who's going to be available at one of those spots. You know, what about uh, Anaheim or New Jersey going up one or two spots? I mean, is that something that's plausible? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, New Jersey's also got three picks in the first round. So that's true. I don't know unless they unless they've got someone they just really love at four or whatever. Like, I don't know what their urgency is because they're probably going to take Jake Sanderson at seven anyway. So, OK. Uh, <laughs> All right. So, anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right, so my third question on this before we move on is, is this the point, this top five, have we reached the point where are these top five players going to be guys who are NHL ready right now? Mm, I think two of them are. Yeah. You think the top two and that's about it? No, not even. One no. and three. One yeah, and three. I, don't, I don't think Byfield is ready. You need to give him at least a year, if not longer. Okay. All right. So, good. I'm glad I asked because I had no clue. All right, so we will move on now to pick number six, and this is Anaheim. Um, so let's see here. This is Eric? No, this is my pick. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping track for you now. Uh, all right. Thank you. All right. This this one is kind of hard. Um, I don't know. I'd I'd have to think on it a little bit longer probably than I have. Uh, again, the draft gets really muddy once you get out of the top three or four. I think Rossi is the clear cut four, but um, Anaheim, you know, I think I think they're decently solid when it comes to having young defenders in the NHL. Um, they they could maybe look at adding Drysdale here just for value. Um, but like, I don't know. They, they have a lot of kind of meh forward prospects, um, when it comes to the NHL, uh, guys who have been getting some NHL time or have been simmering in the AHL for a couple of years. Uh, but maybe they don't have faith that they're the true, you know, number one ceiling at their position or something like that. Like you have Sam Steele and Troy Terry and all of these nice little pieces. Uh, but I, I don't know that they really look at any of those guys as game changers or game breakers. Um, it kind of depends upon their approach to building the roster here. Uh, but what they're kind of lacking in the system is a goal scorer. So this might not be the best player available in my opinion, but they could look at taking uh, Alexander Holtz here, uh, oh. who is okay. a sniper, uh, played in the Swedish league, uh, really, really good player. Um, I feel like, you know, everybody always talks about the shot. He's got a beautiful shot. Um, really good off of one-timers, really good wrist shot. Uh, just kind of everything you look for. He also shoots for volume, which is something that you're looking for with those players. You don't want them to just be trying to pick corners or, uh, you know, uh, get into the slot all the time, and that's the only place they shoot from. He's willing to shoot from anywhere, um, which when you have a shot as good as that, you need to just be putting pucks on net. But I feel like an uh, underrated facet of his game is he is a really good playmaker. Um, he doesn't do it as often as he shoots, uh, because obviously if you're the number one trigger option on your team, you're probably going to be shooting the puck a lot. Um, but when he's put into a situation where he's, you know, given the opportunity to facilitate or be that guy. Um, he he does it pretty well, which is surprising for somebody of his prospect profile. You normally don't hear a lot of talk about that. Uh, you know, there there's some concerns with consistency. Um, I think there's some concerns too with awareness when it comes to defensive zone play, but it's nothing that's glaring. Um, and he's he's a pretty relatively decent uh, prospect when it comes to a complete game for somebody who projects to be a really good goal scorer at the NHL level. I have a feeling Eric is going to disagree here. <laughs> All right, Eric. Uh, I mean, yeah, like Alexander Holtz is easily the best shooter in this draft, but if I were Anaheim, I would take Jamie Drysdale here. Um, you know, I know, obviously, when Eamon, Eamon was talking about all the young talent that Anaheim has on the blue line, he was obviously referring to Matt Irwin, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, like... <laughs> like this is a team that, like, yeah, they had that that talent, and then they traded them all away, right? So now, like, Cam Fowler's 28, has a uh, modified no trade. Hampus Lindholm is 26. Josh Manson's 28. Good lord, Hampus rest- Lindholm is 26. Yeah, and then the rest okay, of their defense is Eric Goodbranson, Jacob Larson, Cody Curran, Christian Juice, Matt Irwin, Michael Delzato, and like you're looking in, you know, down the line, and like there's no one that really excites that is. You know, people talk about Josh Mahura or Brendan Gould, but like Gouley, but a lot of their guys that they really like on the blue line in their system are, I don't want to say projects, but like these are like 
collegiate route guys. Like, you know, these are guys that are going to take three, four years to really make an impact on this in this organization. So I would undoubtedly go Jamie Drysdale here. Um, I think he's maybe a year or so off from being NHL ready. Uh, I think he's the best defender in the draft. Uh, great skater. Um, you know, really excellent puck control. He's not someone who, uh, you know, pushes the puck up the ice in transition. He really corrals it. You know, he's really, you know, steady with it on the stick. Um, he's just all over the ice. I mean, there were glimpses where, you know, in Erie last year, he really did look a lot like, you know, Rowan Yossi. I don't think he's that level of, of an offensive player, but, um, I mean, this is someone who just has great edge control. He's got great rotational power in his hips. Um, you can really just get it done in all four directions, uh, both on both sides of the puck. So this is a guy you're drafting with the idea that he'll be your number one defenseman for 10 years to come. And I think that's, at this point, something the Ducks sorely need. So, All right. So we've, we've, finally, uh, we've finally diverged a little bit. So um, next up at number... Seven is the New Jersey Devils. So, Eric, who's your pick? Um, My pick is Jamie Drysdale. I mean, you know, I think at this point the Devils could probably go in any direction, um, and they would be making their team better. Um, For me, you know, I, I love a couple other guys, you know, in this area of the draft, but if Drysdale's still on the board for you, uh, for the Devils, I think you undoubtedly have to pounce on it. I mean, again, another team whose blue line is just not really anything to write home about. Um, you know, Will Butcher, okay. Uh, outside of that, like, you know, Dakota Mermis, come on, you know? Um, in, in, you know, the pipeline, I mean, again, just nothing really to, besides Ty Smith. That's it. And Ty Smith is great. I think Ty Smith is a dynamite prospect, but um, not a organization that has a lot going for it in that department. So I think if Drysdale's there, you undoubtedly have to take him. All right. And Eamon, for you. Okay. So since Eric, you know, took Drysdale off the board for me, that makes it a little bit harder. But uh, I would I would be hard-pressed to disagree with his choice there. Um, I mean – I, I, I'm happy that he agrees that Ty Smith is an awesome prospect because I love him, but uh, Drysdale's the right choice if he's still there. But since I'm picking and he's not there, um, I think they're they're needy enough at D um, where they would have to consider taking Sanderson there, but since this is me drafting for them, I don't do that because I don't think he's worth the top 10 pick. Um, so I'm probably looking at uh, you know, along the winger at center. Um, definitely still not considering a goalie because you have, uh, you know, Colin, or not Colin Blackwell, Jesus Christ. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood in net for you, who was just a monster this past year. Um, there, there are a lot of people you could consider here. Um, but I would say I would probably go with Anton Lundell here. This may be a little high for him. Um, but if they're looking to kind of shore up this roster and have a guy who's really close to being NHL ready right away, um, I mean, if if Lundell pans out really rapidly, which I think he will, he's one of the most NHL ready prospects in this draft. Uh, he has a chance to slot in as their three C immediately. 
Um, you can kind of jettison some of those more expensive pieces that they have just sitting on the roster in order to make room for him. Uh, he opens up a lot of possibilities when it comes to thinking about a championship contender. Uh, I mean, if you're your one, two, three punch at center, which is what teams are always looking to build around, is, uh, you know, uh, Jack Hughes and Anton Lundell are your two and your three, and Hishie's your one, which Hughes might end up taking that spot eventually. Uh, that's pretty ridiculous. They should be looking at that. Um, you could consider Sanderson here, but I feel like Lundell is a really good value pick. Uh, there may be a couple other players you could think about taking ahead of him, but I, I love him as a prospect. I guess I didn't really talk a whole lot about what I like about him in particular. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's just one of those players where he's always active in all phases of the game. He's uh, he's just a really smart offensive player. He doesn't flash a ton of, uh, you know, electrifying stuff, although I think you know, his shot is underrated a little bit, but he's just got really great offensive instincts. Um, and then he's one of the more developed players when it comes to the defensive game down the middle. Uh, he's, he's always attacking the puck. He's taking good gaps when he's covering back for players. Uh, he's, he's very good at covering for the slot. He always knows when to start his back checks versus when to push up and be aggressive for the poke. Uh, he's got good stick work. There's just a lot to love about him. Um, I mean, especially as somebody who is a sucker for two-way centers, uh, I feel like, you know, he has the ability to develop into maybe not that Sean Couturier type because that's kind of a high burden of expectation to place upon a player, but he could definitely be that sort of player where, you know, he's dominating possession, driving play, uh, and just making the smart choice with the puck every time it's on his stick. Perfect. All right. So now we can um, move on. So... Uh, okay, so we got Buffalo next at number eight. So, Amen. This is my. Oh, it's his turn. Wait, no, eight is that's my turn, isn't it? Isn't it? I don't. Oh no, no, no! You're it's you. No, it is my. It is me. It is me. Wait, real All quick, right. I have to interject. Uh, uh, Zach Bogosian and Braden Coburn just became the first two Atlanta Thrashers draft picks to win the Stanley Cup ever. That's hilarious. <laughs> Which I love. Uh, Elio Kovalchuk, so close yet so far with that Devils team. All right. Um, with Buffalo, uh, I mean, Eric didn't, Eric didn't take, uh, well, so you're only drafting against what you've picked for your, for your draft. So, I mean, you're, it's only for what your, your picks have been up to this point. Oh, not. shoot, so Drysdale isn't off the board yet? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you guys picked the same player in the top five, so... Oh, what the heck? Okay, well, I guess I've kind of screwed this up here, because Drysdale would have gone way well, if earlier. You want, okay, yeah, if you want to, if you want to put Drysdale at, at, at your other picks, then... Yeah, well, then I definitely would put Drysdale in New Jersey's spot. Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right, so, it, and so, then I, I, can, I can just kind of swap right here, because Lindell would get taken by Buffalo um, immediately afterwards, I'm pretty sure, but... uh. Drysdale, I can just talk about him for a second because I just talked yeah. about Lundell. But Lundell goes to Buffalo at eight. Um, but Drysdale, I mean, pretty much everything Eric said earlier, amazing edge work, fantastic skater to watch. I just have a blast every single time I would watch any of him. Uh, you know, kind of an underrated shot, really good skill with the puck on his stick. You know, one of those guys where uh, 
you would hope that an NHL coach wouldn't be too stodgy with him and would let him play up in the zone pretty early, kind of like Quinn Hughes did this year. Um, I, I feel like that's a prospect that's actually relatively comparable to him in some ways. They're definitely not identical games, but they bring a lot of the same good stuff to the table. They're really good skaters. Um, you know, they're going to be a guy who in transition is effective, not by moving the puck up the ice, but by bringing it along themselves. Uh, they're definitely going to be an effective weapon in the offensive zone immediately. They're going to like to be down low a decent portion of the time rather than out high. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, Drysdale will thrive in a particular system or coaches that understand how to effectively use him. Otherwise, he might not hit his total ceiling of being a number one NHL defenseman or a star. But uh, at the very least, you're getting a really good top two defenseman who's a great puck mover off the bat. All right. So, okay, I'm going to re-clarify because maybe I, I I think I went over this with you guys beforehand and I probably wasn't clear <laughs> enough that, yes, this should be this should be your own top tens. Like what the other person picked doesn't matter at all. So from the top, <laughs> Lafniere, Byfield, Stutzel, Rossi, Raymond, though you guys agreed on those. Okay, so then, Eamon, you went Holtz, Drysdale, Lundell. Yeah. Eric, number six for you was? Drysdale. Okay. Number seven to New Jersey for you. Lindell. Okay. Now, pick number eight. Now, now yeah, this is my fault. I apologize. Okay. So, number eight, Buffalo, who are you taking? Uh, oh, is this me? Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, I get it now. I totally get it. Um, at Buffalo at number eight, uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go a little off the board here. I'm gonna take Dawson Mercer. Uh, My boy, yeah. Dawson Mercer. I am indeed taking Dawson Mercer. Um, I mean, just an exceptionally skilled player, probably behind Lafreniere, the best, the most. The highest level of just individual puck skill in the draft. Um, he is so good at one of the things that I noticed about his game that I really like is, you know, we talk a lot about players like mapping the game out and being, you know, anticipating the play. And that's good. Mercer does it three, four steps ahead, you know. You know, one of the things you can notice about him, the way he, like, sees the ice is that he not only can anticipate where his teammate is going to go after he passes him the puck, but he can anticipate where his other teammate is moving to get into a position to receive a pass from that first. I mean, this guy is, like, three, like, playing 5D chess out there in the offensive zone. Honestly, like, he's just that good. Um, he's so skilled with the puck. Uh, I mean, really just absolutely mesmerizing. Um, you know, skating is... A concern to a degree. Uh, I think there's some mechanics there that really need to be tightened up, but I don't think it's something that will hold him back from being, you know, a top six NHL player. Um, so, uh, you know, I I am not as high on Cole Perfetti as others. Um, I think Buffalo needs a lot of things, and um, you know, Dawson Mercer fits one of the many holes they have. Uh, and I think he's a little more dimensional than Cole Perfetti is. So, uh, you know, Cole Perfetti might be a better NHL in the long run um, if the skating becomes a thing. But, you know, I would go Mercer here if I'm, if I'm picking. All right. Sounds good. So now we have 
a we've come up to pick number nine, and we have a Paul Fentonless Minnesota Wild. So Eric, this is you again. Who are you taking at number nine for Minnesota? Uh, okay, so this is my okay, great. So I'm gonna take Anton Lund. No, I can't take Lundell. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I got it. So, so again, uh, your, yeah. your, your your you did you did Drysdale, Lundell, Mercer. Yeah, yeah. Eric okay, has to take Lundell six I got times it. in I the got draft. It. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, do, do you? Oof, this is tough. I mean, Minnesota needs a lot, right? Like, they're probably, like, really itching for a center, and there's not really a good center left at this point. I mean, I guess Cole Perfetti, but not something, someone that fits their mold in my eyes. Um, I'd probably take Perfetti, though. I don't think um, they should take a goalie. I, You know, I'd probably be fine if they took a defender, but, uh, you know, Perfetti, I mean... This is a guy who, you know, it's weird how we talk about him or how I talk about him. It's like, oh, I'm not super high on him, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is someone who scored 111 points for Saginaw last year. Like, we're not talking about somebody who, like, you know, kind of squeaked by. Um, so just a an exceptional goal scorer. I mean, um, you know, really exciting to watch um, on the puck. Uh has a really like interesting edge to his game, like in a not necessarily in a physical sense, but um, you know, kind of in like the way Marco Rossi plays, like just kind of can really excel at, at pulling pucks out of uh, those corners and, and not just creating plays from it, but creating like consistent cycles that help dominate possession. So uh, that's something that really stands out to me about Perfetti. Um, you know, really good finisher, great set of hands. Um, you know, always intentional with uh, with you know, his decisions, I think he skates with his head down a little too much. I would like to see a little better puck support awareness and a little, you know, just more consistency in his in his game away from the high danger areas. But, I mean, undoubtedly a top 10 pick uh, in this class. So, Okay, and Eamon, that's for you for Minnesota at number nine. All right. Uh, this is going to be where I kind of – insert maybe my I don't know this is definitely my opinion on this player and Eric's probably going to dispute this a little bit because I know he has him lower um and I know I have him higher than most but I'm going to take Seth Jarvis with this pick uh just ridiculously fun player to watch um really really good at everything like um there's not really a true weakness to his game besides uh, puck support in the defensive zone. He's not he's not the best when it comes to you know uh, making forceful, impactful defensive plays. He he definitely the effort is there, um, you know, and the stick work is okay for somebody of his size. It's just it it's not a total liability, but it's something that you worry about and that he's definitely going to have to work on. Uh, but you know he reminds me a whole lot of you know pretty much every speedy kind of undersized prospect uh, that really just can kind of do it all in the offensive zone. Good shot, really accurate, um, really loves to attack the high danger areas, has a high, high completion, uh, completion percentage when it comes to those high danger passes. He's really successful whenever he attempts them. Uh, really good balance for a skater of his size, which is something that I kind of enjoyed watching. Um, you know, normally you worry about someone that small getting knocked off the puck, but he would immediately regain his footing and just make a play 
to get the puck out. Um, really good with outlet passes too. Uh, there was one in particular that I'm thinking of where he got knocked on his butt in front of the net or it looked like he was going to, um, immediately got his feet back under him and then just kind of flipped the pass to the, uh, down low area right behind the goal, uh, waited, went back to the slot and then managed to score a goal off of that. And that was just, you know, a nice little microcosm of everything I love about him. He's really tough. Uh, he's got skill that he flashes constantly. Um, and I think the main thing for me is, I'm a really big sucker for risers in the draft class where they show a clear evolution in their game that sticks. It's not just, you know, an outburst of scoring that's the result of some puck luck or playing some inferior competition or something like that. He clearly put something together in the last half of the season um, where, you know, he was scoring at an absolutely ridiculous rate from the new year on. Um, on a Portland team that was, you know, they they were fine. Uh, but they weren't anything special, uh, and especially in the WHL, which I know uh, Eric agrees with me on this, but it's, it's a very physical, kind of heavy-handed league. Um, you know, there's not as much room for offensive skill to blossom, or at least not in the typical way that you like to see it happen, um, like in the OHL or the QMJHL. He really stuck out as a guy who was able to just create for himself and just absolutely drive a line. Um which was really impressive to me. I, I just love everything about him as a prospect. Uh, I listened to a couple of interviews with him uh, done by, you know, elite prospects and a couple other places. Seems like a great kid. Um, and, I mean, I would really love him to fall to Nashville. Uh, I've heard rumblings that he'll end up going higher than that. Um, but this is this is where I have him in my rankings. He shuffles between 9, 10, and 11 every single time for me. All right, and before we go to our break, we've got our final pick at Winnipeg at number 10. And so, Eamon, this is your pick, so who's up? Uh, it's got to be Colt Perfetti. Um, I mean, it was it was either him at 9 or Jarvis. Uh, they're pretty interchangeable for me. Uh, I, I had him way higher a couple of weeks back, and then, you know, Eric talked about how he really didn't love him that much as a prospect compared to some other people. So I was like, hmm, I'll go back and take a look at what he's talking about. And, yeah, he was dead nuts on when it came to him having his head down a whole lot. Uh, that's a really worrying thing for me when it comes to a prospect who likes to make skilled plays like him. Uh, it, it feels like he's not going to be maybe able to execute some of the dazzling things that he does at this level at the next one. Uh, the skill is the thing that makes him a really standout prospect because his uh, defensive awareness is not something that you look at and go, oh, wow, this is really good or solid or something that, uh, you know, needs a couple tweaks, but he'll be fine at the NHL level. It's got some pretty glaring flaws in it. Um, he really struggles with engagement when they're not in the offensive zone. And I don't think... You know, with like a Jacob Perot or somebody like that, where you look at that and you go, maybe this is a conditioning thing or the way he's being used in the system. I feel like it was more of just kind of a uh, awareness thing as well as maybe a bit of an engagement thing. Um, so, I mean, he's a great goal scoring prospect, uh, not to the caliber that Holtz is. Holtz is the clear best one in this class, but uh, he brings a lot to the table, really good hands and tight. Uh, had a really nice showcase on national TV that I enjoyed watching him in. Um, I just don't know. He's a little bit riskier when it comes to projecting his scoring ability to the next level. 
And uh, that's why I feel like he has a decent chance to slide in this draft. People are going to be looking at the tape and saying, well, you know, it's so neck and neck at this point with all of the different prospects. Uh, I feel like he just doesn't bring enough to the table that you have zero concern about where he should be picked higher than like, you know, around eight or seven. Uh, this is a bit of a slide for him, I'll admit. Um, and he could easily go as early as like five or four, but I, I genuinely believe he's around the seventh, eighth or ninth best player in this draft, if not worse. Okay. And Eric, uh, is it my pick or do I? It is. Yes, this oh, is the fi- your final pick for Winnipeg, the top uh, ten. Jake Sanderson. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jake Sanderson, like, there's a lot of jokes, and they're funny because, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, they're ha- – like, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, you look at the, like, class from last year of the U.S. national team, and it was insane, right? Like, insane how many of those guys were legitimate first or second round talents. And even, like – the guys later on who I don't think got enough credit, you know, like your Marshall Warrens, right, who are also really good prospects um, compared to this class, who may have two picked in the first round, maybe uh, should have two picked in the first round. Um, but that's it, right? And so it's tough. Like, you you can't imagine, like, a U.S. team that far off, right? Uh, but Sanderson is really good. I mean, I know we all joke about the, like, American-born defenseman, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's a really complete player. You know, I think his offensive upside is maybe a little more limited than uh, some people like to claim. But this is a guy who I think is a near guarantee to be a top-four defender in the NHL. Um, he's a really good skater for someone with size. He closes his gaps quickly. He's got an active stick. Pushes players to the perimeter as well. Um you know, I've got some minor concerns about his transition skating and his pivot timing. Um, but, you know, one thing that I've noticed really well is he really expands his lateral space, right? So he, he like I said, he pushes to the perimeter, expands that lateral space closer to the high danger areas in the defensive zone. He's also able to stretch the play similarly in the offensive zone, especially on the power play. He's not that stagnant force at the point. He's just taking shots, right? Like he's, he's moving on down, rotating, you know, to the low circles, Uh, and really being dynamic with those movements. So, you know, I think whoever ends up getting him, they're going to have a fine player, and Winnipeg, I think, needs some help everywhere. So Sanderson makes sense. All right. So we're going to take a short break for ads from from the mothership from Vox and SB Nation. And so we'll be right back, and we'll get to what most of you guys have been waiting for, which is going to be what these two do with Nashville's pick. So we'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
And we're back, and we're back with the part that most of you are probably listening for. So we're going to now discuss um, the Nashville's pick at number 11. And before we do that, um, I want to give Eric a chance just because of, <laughs> of, a, of a rule – still a little bit of a rule misunderstanding that we sorted it out. Um, he'd like to amend his his, his th- last three picks because yeah. <laughs> he right. forgot so about somebody. The, here's the deal. Brian is just absolutely terrible at explaining how this worked. And mm-hmm. that's all I, was, I was – Sure, sure. And, and I was under the impression that I – like if it was Eamon, Eamon's pick, you – I couldn't take that player. So I completely left Alexander Holtz out of my top ten. Inexcusable, I know. So revising my list, Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Rossi, Raymond, Drysdale, Lindell, Alexander Holtz at eight, Dawson Mercer at nine, Cole Perfetti at ten, which pushes Jake Sanderson out of the top ten. Uh, oh, I was sure you were going to move Sanderson up. Okay. All right. I see. Okay. So now that we've got that sorted out um, – so yeah, so we've got you guys have most of the same players off the board. I think the only one that you guys uh, are disagree on is that Eamon has uh, Jarvis and you have Mercer, Eric. So those are the guys that are available to you at number eleven for Nashville. So I will let you guys decide who wants to go first for the pick at number eleven for the Nashville Predators. I want to go first just so that I can uh, trash Eric a little bit. Okay. <laughs> No, uh, I, I just wanted to say really quickly that uh, Eric clearly hates America for taking uh, Jake Sanderson out of his top ten, and it's he should shame himself. Calm. Yeah. All uh, right. Go ahead. I am gonna take who uh, Eric and I have talked about a decent bit. Um, I wrote an article about him a little while ago. He's one of the players that I've watched the most. I'm going to take Dawson Mercer here at 11 for the Predators. Uh, Eric went over a little earlier, accidentally, uh, you know, why he loves him so much. Um, he had him going pretty high there, but, uh, I, if he, if he fell into the Predators' laps at 11, I mean, Eric and I are both, I think, higher than the consensus for the most part on him, but good lord, man, he's so fun to watch. He's just the stick handling in tight areas, the decision making, uh, the vision off and on the puck. He's just a brilliant player in all phases. I feel like he would be, you know, considered for around five or six in this draft, if not maybe competing even higher than that, if the skating is not a concern, which that's what you have to look at with this. And if you're the Predators, say, okay, so this is a prospect where he's instantly got the most upside of anybody in the organization um, coming in as soon as you draft him. Do we have a guy who can look at those mechanical issues and work with him in the offseason to correct that um, and maybe help him improve tick by tick. Because um, I'm a big fan of taking, you know, players who have the complete game everywhere else, but maybe their skating isn't flawless or it needs some work. And uh, taking those guys at value, a perfect example of that is uh, Oscar Lindblom, who a lot of smart people that I talk to um, who do draft evaluation back that far, uh, had him pegged as like a third or a fourth round pick, um, ended up falling a lot further than that just because of his skating concerns. He had really good seasons in Sweden. Uh, he just, you know, looked slow as molasses out there, but he managed to get to adequate skating level and he was going to have a breakout season in the NHL this year because of how smart a player he is. So 
Mercer kind of reminds me of that type of guy, except he's got way more upside. The skill is ridiculous. Uh, you know, the shot is pretty good, but he's more going to project as somebody who's scoring using his hands around the net rather than just blowing the puck past people. Uh, I mean, just, just a really complete guy, um, who has one glaring flaw that you need to correct, but if you feel like you have the right connections with his juniors team and the right guys, uh, in, you know, the AHL and the NHL who can, carry him along and help him work through any problems that he has uh you absolutely have to take a chance on him here because he's got the upside to be one of the best players in this draft easily a top six winger if not better all right so then i've got two follow-ups for you before we move on um do where do you see him where would he play next year if drafted by the preds i mean just where he is or you know do you is he good where is he where does he end up playing next year he absolutely remains in juniors. Um, okay. I mean, I figured going, as much. He's going to need another year at the minimum. Um, he might even need to. I would probably say he should be in the AHL after another year in juniors so that you can get your hands on him and start getting the athletic staff working with him and training him up and working through skating. Because um, I think his game is pretty complete um, in every other aspect. But you give him another year in juniors, uh, let him dominate, uh, and then you bring him up to the AHL. You have a really steady prospect pool at that point. So I, I feel like that's probably the projectable timeline for him. He probably slides in as a top six forward immediately in the AHL, and I would not go so far to say that he would dominate because he might have a little bit of trouble adjusting to uh, you know, the difference of skating level on average. Um, he might be one of the slower players out there to start with, but give him time, let him develop the stride, and work through some of those mechanical problems and he'll slide right nicely into your top six uh once he comes out of the ahl i think he could play that kevin fiala role where he can slide into the top six or third liner who is really playing well above third line status and then i think you may have already touched on this but who who's your nhl comparable for him uh so with mercer you could say oscar lindblom but i probably wouldn't go with that just because he's much more skilled than lindblom is in terms of like a you know player profile i guess that kind of fits because they're both just such smart guys um underrated shot but uh yeah i i guess that's a fair one now that i think about it i i was saying that's not my comparison a second ago but Oscar Lindblom with more skill, more of a scoring touch, um, more dynamic ability. If he ever gets the skating level up to league average, he's a top six forward easy. If he gets it to above league average, which I don't know that that ever happens, but if he's, if he's like a good skater, then he's a 70 plus point guy, um, who's consistently scoring 20, if not 30 goals. He's just such a great playmaker. He's got great hands, um, thinks the game so well. He's everything you look for in one of those high IQ uh, players that you're looking to take who, you know, they have a glaring flaw, but the hockey IQ is what you always want at this point in the draft. Uh, I mean, that's just the solid philosophy to have. You can't, you can't really fix the IQ. Skating is probably the most fixable thing about a prospect. And I feel like the Predators pretty clearly reflect that they feel confident that they can develop a poor to mediocre skating prospect because they took Igor Afanasyev, uh, or Afanasyev. I, I never, I can never remember how to say his last name. I feel really bad about that. But, uh, 
they they took him and you know that was one of the main concerns with him is he's got a nice package when it comes to you know great shot great scoring ability uh big frame and everything but he kind of has a little bit of awkwardness to his skating um and a couple of things to clean up about it so clearly they feel like they can take that kind of a prospect and do something with that um i i feel like mercer is a pretty good fit organizationally not to like plug my own work or anything but uh you should go read why you should want dawson absolutely plug your work it is our work uh on on the fourth deck uh i wrote that a little while ago but um yeah he i i just love almost everything about him as a player you could even argue to me that he should go in the top 10 and i probably wouldn't dispute that um you could kind of interchange him with either perfetti or jarvis uh which i've done that a lot but, uh, yeah, I just love Dawson Mercer as a prospect. All right. So, Eric, now here is your pick for Nashville. And um, I think this is going to be a different pick than um, what you did for, for the SB Nation draft, which I'm not going to reveal yet. But, uh, so, yeah, I'm here eager to hear who, who you've got. Yeah. Uh, I also did really want to raise a quick point that uh, Eamon brought up, which is – something of note in that because Dawson Mercer is a little bit older, uh, he would be able to not in his draft year minus one, but in his draft year minus uh, two. So his, so the 2021, 22 season, he would be able to play in the AHL because he would be age 20, uh, turning age 20 before December 31st of that season. Uh, Whereas most, players around the average age drafted out of the CHL uh, in their draft year would not be due to the CHL-AHL agreement that prohibits 20 uh, uh, players under 20 from doing so. So that's also something to take into account. Um, but anyway, my pick is, um, yeah, I mean, like, so I've got Mercer. Mercer's off the board, the Holtz is off the board, Perfetti's off the board. You know, I think conventional wisdom has, seems to be pointing Seth Jarvis's way at this point, but I am going to take uh, a different direction, and I am going to go with uh, Noel Gundler at 11 for Nashville. Ooh, um, I like it. All right, so go into it. Tell us all about him. Sure, yeah. I mean, so I'm really high on Gundler compared to, I think, a decent amount of people. I mean, it, it's he's pretty steadily like, in the teens, but... um. You know, I like Jarvis. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, no denying that. I think he uh, he's someone who is maybe a little more reckless in his his uh, transition and his decision-making and his game as a whole than maybe I'd like. You know, I think that there's opportunity there for him to be bottled up more at higher levels um, than someone like Noel Gundler, who I see as both having excellent offensive instinct and ability, um, but someone who also, I think, is a really, really intelligent player. So Noel Gundler, for a little background, since there hasn't been, like, a ton of chatter on him, um, has been playing in the Lulea system in Sweden. Uh, so this last season, he was playing full-time in that top Swedish league, 45 games, 13 points doesn't sound like a lot, but like that's generally the par for the course for players uh, of this age. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, on top of the offensive instincts, uh, in top, on top of the, you know, great shooting ability, on top of the solid passing ability, uh, who's someone who, 
I think he really thrives in the really tight window of, uh, you know, smaller decisions that add up to, uh, you know, more a more complete game. So, you know, for instance, um, uh, I recently wrote a draft profile on him a couple weeks ago, and to give you one example of, you know, one of the things I noticed a lot, like this is a player who, you know, he'll be coming into the offensive zone and he'll recognize maybe he doesn't have the speed to, you know, beat a defender around the outside. But instead of, you know, a lot of players will hit the blue line and then they'll just throw the puck in, right? So he'll drive into the offensive zone. He'll go wide, right, where the defender wants to push him to the perimeter, right? And then he'll dump the puck in after getting a few strides into the zone and has that lateral quickness to move around the defender, cut off that chase deep into the zone and uh, get on the forecheck there to, to, to maintain possession. Uh, so it's just little things like that that really just add up over time and have really helped him excel, you know, against men um, this season. I mean, I think he's got a, he's a great shooter, uh, you know, really deceptive release, can shoot from nearly anywhere in the offensive zone, um, you know, quick decision maker, like I said. I think he's got really great puck support positioning, um, something I don't see a lot from someone his age. I mean, he's really just always in the right spot on breakouts, always in the right spot on cycles, um, moving constantly, you know, fighting for that open space. Um, I don't think his skating mechanics are perfect. I don't think they're bad either, but it's not, you know, he's not like, he doesn't have maybe the high-end speed that Jarvis does, but it's not like he's not slow by any means. Um, and I think just playing in Sweden, like he's just going to have that opportunity to generate a ton of more discipline and skill against uh, men that, you know, someone like Mercer or Jarvis doesn't really have that opportunity. So I'm really excited to see where his game goes. Um, I think he's an excellent, excellent player. And I guess to provide a little context, so Gunnar is someone who, in 2018-19, he had uh, he scored nearly a goal per game at the Super Elite level for the Wales U20 team, which is one of the best D draft year minus one seasons of all time in Sweden. Um, best goal per game rate actually in the league in league history, uh, and his points per game rate was fourth all time. Um, this season, he was playing legitimately like bottom six, if not bottom three minutes, almost most of the year. Like, was not getting tons of opportunities. Still scored 13 points. Uh, that's 0.29 points per game, which in draft eligible seasons uh, matches William Nylander, uh, is slightly below Lucas Raymond, who had similar issues with getting consistent ice time. Um, he was a smidge behind Alexander Holtz in terms of even strength primary points per game at the SHL this year, and actually ahead of Raymond in that category. Uh, I think he's just such a great, he's great in transition. He's got excellent discipline in his decision-making. Um, he's not flashy all the time, but he makes what he does count. Um, and I think, you know, just that opportunity to grow. Like I said, in Sweden, I'm really preferential to the European leagues because I think they provide such a great opportunity for these younger players. I'm really excited to see what he'd be able to do um, moving forward. So that's someone who I think um, if Nashville were able to get their hands on, that'd, that'd be really exciting. Awesome. Well, then the same questions to you. Um, first off is who do you, who's his NHL comparable? Oh, Brian, I hate comparables. Um, I mean, just a similar style. You don't have to say skill level. I mean, just same type know. of player. I genuinely do not think about these at all because I get that. I, I, I know you out. don't like them. I can help out. I can help yeah, out. Yeah, I even can answer it. Okay. 
Uh, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of Goonler. Oh, um, good. So I'm glad you're giving the comparable. <laughs> well, okay. I'll, 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 I'll relative, relative, relative to um, some of the other prospects that I have. I mean, it's harder for me personally to come by European footage than it is for Eric, I'm sure. But, uh, I mean, I've managed to get a good solid one or two games in uh, of archive footage that I've found. Uh, but, you know, I usually like to have around five before I really form an opinion, which is why, I mean, there are probably only about 12 or 15 guys I could probably have, like, a super rock-solid opinion on in this draft. Mm-hmm. It's not one of them, but I've watched some of him. Uh, the willingness to kind of take a shot from any angle um, – and the deceptive wrist shot make you think of more of like a goal scorer per se. But I think he's going to develop into a pretty solid two-way winger. Um, I personally, when I do comparables, I usually do like the worst possible scenario, the middle outcome, and then the ceiling. Because I feel uh-huh. like that's a little bit more fair to the prospect. Because like if you go, oh, this dude is going to be, you know, the right, next right. Forsberg, like that's the expectation day one. That's a little unfair. So there's um, two or three, then, in that case. So for him, I would probably say the big worry uh, for me is just consistency of execution and consistency of engagement. Eric, feel free to dispute that. Um, and then also the skating, uh, which is not like a big concern, but it's just a lack of, you know, explosiveness when it comes to that. Uh, I would probably kind of peg him as a, I want to say like Ivan Barbashev, at the worst case, where he's still, like, a decent bottom sixer who can flash some of that, uh, you know, high-end ability, uh, especially when it comes to the deceptive wrist shot. But I feel like Goonler is definitely not as much of a, you know, just kind of throwing the body around just to throw right. the body around guy, and he's a much more cerebral player. So maybe just a, a significantly better version of Ivan Barbashev, which is still, that's a very good NHL bottom sixer. Uh, which is why I can kind of understand why. So let's Eric do let's do your ceiling play. then. Who's your your top level then? For him, probably. Uh, that's so hard for him because usually if they have the really good wrist shot, you don't you don't see kind of the skating concerns as much. I'm beating around the bush here a lot. I know. Uh, I don't know. A You've very, already said his name. You can say it. A very light version of Philip Forsberg, a very, very light version of <laughs> Philip Forsberg is a decently fair comparable because, I mean, like Forsberg, he's got the deceptive wrist shot. Like Forsberg, he's got really good two-way awareness. He's not a guy who's going to be disengaged in the defensive zone. He's not a stellar player in that end, per se, and there's still things to work on when it comes to that. But really, really good prospect um, overall. Looks like a guy who could potentially drive a line if everything pans out for him and could be a really solid goal scorer too. Uh, okay. Just a lot to like about him there. Uh, I thought, I think I thought, I think I thought of one. Okay. okay. Yours Go is ahead. probably a lot better than mine. <laughs> and, and again, I hate comparables. I think they're, I avoid them at all costs in terms of just like impression, like style of play, you know, that kind of stuff. I would say he has a high, much higher ceiling than this player, but Rupe Hens is somebody who comes to mind. Okay. Ah, uh, that's a good one. All right. Sounds good. All right. So, yeah, somewhere, Hints or Forsberg. That's, that's what you guys have just, like, said. That's who this guy's gonna, Gunler's gonna be. He's gonna be Hints oh, or Forsberg. Sure. So, yep, oh, we're gonna God. pencil that down now. Okay. So, moving along, not too much longer. Um, 
I want to flip this on you guys. So you guys both pick wingers. Um, but I want to force you guys to pick, and we're going to go a little quicker on this one. You can't pick a forward. So say Nashville is not going to pick a forward. Um, who are each of you taking at, at 11 if, you, if you're not picking a forward? So, Eric, go ahead. Uh, I mean, okay. really limiting, but Sanderson. Okay. All right. I was, I was, I had a, I, nope, I thought you're you not going to, you're not going to get me, you're not going to yeah. get me into what you want. I know. I know. All right. So yeah, Sanderson and you, you, again, you've already spoken to him at length as a top 10 pick. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Amen for you, you're not picking a forward. Who are you picking? Also Sanderson, as much as you know, you hate to follow the David Poyle American defenseman who maybe doesn't do anything on offense trope. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's a fair, it's a fair pick. I mean, yeah, at, I, at I that like point, it a lot. It yeah. falls off a little bit with with defensemen. Um, hey, yeah. in a really chaotic world, I'm taking Helga Grans here. That's all I'm saying. Oh, that would be a fun one. That would be fun. Okay, uh, well, I would be fired immediately though. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So good. Well, neither of you, again, neither of you fell for the fell for my Askarov trap. So, oh well. All right. Um, real quick then. If let's say, and I want you guys to remain within the realm of, of of reality, but let's say, you know, there's a couple, a pick or two in the top ten that you know just goes somewhere that you don't expect, and, and so teams have to adjust. Um, you know, what would be you think would be like a best possible pick that Nashville could end up with on uh, um, first night of the draft where, you know, again, one or two guys is picked way out of order um, and someone falls. Who, who do you guys think would be like that perfect player to get? They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he slid to 11. So, uh, Eamon? Okay. Uh, for that, I mean, again, Eric and I both aren't big fans of Perfetti, um, but if he if he slid to 11, I wouldn't mind that. But the big ones, I think, for me are if uh, – if Holtz manages to slide, uh, mm-hmm. which is a potential possibility if somebody really, really likes Seth Jarvis, um, if Jack Quinn goes in the top 10, like we've heard some chatter about, and uh, if, you know, the aforementioned Yaroslav Askarov goes really high, there is a chance that Holtz potentially slides to that 11 slot. I'd be ecstatic if they had the chance to pick him, but I feel like the most realistic outcome is uh, Anton Lundell being there. Uh, I would I would go bananas if they got Anton Lundell there. All right, and Eric for you. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty similar answers. I think conventional wisdom would say it's Lundell, but I am becoming increasingly mm, aligned to the idea that uh, Alexander Holtz could fall out of the top ten next week. Um, I can see a situation where Sanderson, Eskarov, and Quinn are all top ten picks, and Holtz is the one who loses out uh, because of it. So, okay, all right, and then again, I didn't put this in the show notes for you guys, but who would be your, who would be like an absolute reach that you could see Nashville taking at eleven? Oh boy. <laughs> And Eric, this is, I mean, again, first. yeah, this is, I mean, this is one not that really, like, what do you mean, really. like, reaches and like, I mean, not? It's just, uh, I mean, and again, this is me, you know, maybe rolling off a little bit with the, with the Sanderson, you know, jokes, but, you know, somebody who, like, fits the profile of a player that Nashville really likes, but necessarily wouldn't be the best pick at this spot, which uh-huh. I don't think, I think you guys, I don't think there's yeah. going to be anybody in the next, like, 
10 picks or so that would be that. Uh, I have, I have. I've one got in a couple. Mind. I've got two. I have one in mind. All right. You want to go first, go Derek? No, you can go. Okay. Uh, I'd say Dylan Holloway. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, people have realized he's bad. It's okay. That I mean, quiet down. I don't know. Have have the hockey ops people fully gotten there yet? Let's see. Is Let's he, hope is so. That, is it, that's, that's how they're going to replace Craig Smith. Oh, good God. Yeah, he's another one of those, you know, big boy, uh, American-ish college guys who he's just, he's good. He does not deserve the chatter that he's gotten to go in the top 10 or even the vicinity of the top 10. Um, he's got some things to like about his game, but there's just nothing there that I, I look at and I go, wow, this dude is blowing my mind here. He's definitely worthy of a pick that high. Um, He's definitely somebody who, I mean, I'm lower than most people even on him. Um, I think I have him around like 23 or 24, something like that. But I've seen mocks and stuff like that by people who are probably more plugged in than uh, most others that I've talked to where he's gone as high as like 11 or 12. Or there's been a couple ridiculous ones where he's gone at like 10. Um but he absolutely is not deserving of that draft slot. There are a lot of players who have better potential than him. There are a lot of players with better floor than him there. So I feel like, you know, that would that would be a very that would be a very David Poyle pick. Um, not as in like, you know, I'm saying David Poyle is the kind of guy who, you know, makes stupid picks or anything like that. But yeah, and that's not really what I'm. I don't. I mean. But yeah, like I don't think I don't see him doing this. I don't see them making a bad pick here. He's a collegiate winger who is, you know, looked at as maybe a bit more of a safe guy than some of the other players in this draft. Um, and I'm I'm just not the biggest fan of his. The only other guy that I could potentially mention were like I wouldn't be furious if he took him, but like he does not belong at the 11 slot, and he's gotten way more talk than he deserves. Is uh, Connor Zary. I mean, really solid in all phases of the game, but just doesn't really do anything that absolutely wows you. And if you're yeah. taking a guy at 11, there there are a lot of players who could be available there, like Jarvis or like uh, maybe Holtz or a Dawson Mercer, where they just offer so much more in terms of ceiling. And I think, you know, we've started to see the organization uh, kind of stray away from its reputation of just always taking the safe prospect, quote-unquote safe, Um and starting to take more risks on guys with upside or one really, really polished skill, but then they need to work out a couple of other things. Right. Uh, I, I have faith that David Poyle is not going to make that decision this year. I, I don't worst think case, The worst case, in my opinion, I think in Eric's, is if they take Yaroslav Askarov there. Because I... There's, will, there's literally no reason to do that. No, I, will, I really don't I will think be, so. Uh, the TV will be thrown out of my apartment window. Um, I will be in shambles. My roommates will have to console me. Um, I'll, I'll be falling apart. Not actually, probably, but like I will be livid. I'll probably. Hey, and you can, yeah, you can get an NHL caliber goalie for a seventh round pick, you know, so, which is what they did last year. Um, so, <laughs> um, by, I mean, Connor Ingram, um, just in case anybody's. Not following that, but yeah. Okay, so Eric, real quick, who who's your your reach players or somebody? Again, I don't think this is what they're going to do, but just just you know, humor me on this one. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, so real quickly to Eamon's point, like 
this is a classic thing that happens every year, right? Where, like, especially with someone like Dylan Holloway, who's, like, a bit older for his age group. So he gets a lot of hype going into, like, August and September, and a lot of people start talking about, like, oh, you know, this and that, and there's more tape on him. So people are like, oh, wow, like, look look how good he is. Same thing happened with, like, it happens at the Holinka Gretzky every year. Happened with Will Cooley this year where everyone was talking about how great he is. I don't even think he's a, a one of my – he's not even in my top 93 ranking. Uh, you know, Antonio Strangis is another example. Like, it's, it's, it is the social media skill that some of these players have that attracts people early in the season, and then they get overranked and all that stuff. But anyway – to the point about, like, Poyle real quick, like, you know, we have to remember, like, going back to the last time the organization picked at 11 was the Kevin Fiala draft, which was 2014, right? So they take Fiala at 14, um, who the following players were still on the board. Dylan Larkin, uh, Sonny Milano, uh, Alex Tuck, uh, Nick Schmaltz, uh, just to name a few that were picked later that round, like, all four of those guys are very, like, what we like to say are David Poyle picks, and they went nowhere near them. Um, so I'm not going to say their reputation's a little, like, unfairly assigned, but at, t- at times I think it is. Um, so to answer the question, though, one of my guys was going to be Connor Zary, but I'll say the other one, which was, um, which I don't really think would be a terrible pick here. Like, I wouldn't be, like, that most upset. I just don't think he's the 11th best player in this draft. Um, but someone who I think, you know, fits in line with what they like in terms of his motor and his pace and, you know, good skill, uh, kind of effective, and, you know, multi-dimensional effective player. Um, and that's Maverick Bork um, of the Schoenigan Cataracts, um, who I've got ranked at 18. Um, you know, I think he's solidly in the teens there. I think there's a lot better players that are going to be in the board at 11, but... You know, he he is kind of who I thought of immediately when you asked the question. Okay. Well, okay, that's good. And again, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't think any of those players that you guys mentioned would be, I, I just don't see it happening. So, I mean, I can, I can, uh, you know, this was just more of an exercise to get you guys to, to think a little bit outside the box. I mean, um, I think yeah. I've seen a couple of drafts, which I think this was probably maybe... T- Maybe I don't know three weeks, four weeks ago. I've seen Peralt be taken there. Oh, um, I would love. I I mean that would be a bit of a reach in my opinion, but I love Jacob Perot, so that Perot, would be okay. And then uh, like you could consider Hendricks Lapierre there too. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who the other person. People forget I saw. Jacob Perot's dad, former Predator. Well, hey. uh, that, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's where I was going to also bring up. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Bordelau too. Bordelau. Bordelau. Yeah, he's he's. I don't think he's. I think he's. He could be somebody that they maybe look at it, you know, with the second round pick. But yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be there, but he's probably late for his round. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, again, this is this is just our first part of our draft preview. We will have another one later this week. Um, date to be determined. Since I'm the one editing this, and um, so yeah, but we will go get back to you. We're gonna go over. We'll do a quick run through of, of the second uh, second half of the the first round, and then we'll kind of focus a little bit more on what Nashville would do with the rest of their picks in this in this draft. And again, this is compared to other years. This is a little bit more of a stacked draft, and Nashville's actually got some some things to work with um, this time. I believe they've got two in the first round. They've got two in the third round. Um, so you know they've got there's a lot uh, we can go over. Two in, right? Two in, round two in the two, second two, round. Do yeah. they not have 
It's no, uh, they don't have a second first round pick. I didn't say. I didn't say. Did I say first? I'm sorry. I meant yeah. to say two in the two in the second, two in the third. Sorry. Yeah, they have one, two, two, three, three, five, six. Yes. Okay. So. We'll go over, thank you guys. We'll go over, um, kind of, we'll, after we get out through the first round, we'll talk more about, uh, focus on Nashville, what they can do, where they're gonna fill holes, um, and, yeah, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll close out on that, hopefully, and then that'll be, um, at least on, on the podcast for, uh, part of it, we're gonna, that'll be the end of the preview for the draft, and that's only, what, two weeks away now, right? So. Nine uh, days. Nine, nine days. Now eight, I think. Yeah, so, um, as always, <laughs> these two um are again as you've probably figured out at this point are so much more knowledgeable about the draft than than I am which is to say that I know nothing about it so um but make sure that you guys are following everything that they've been writing about the last few weeks I mean Eric is as always just been on a tear um with his with his prospect with his prospects previews and uh, Eamon as well on, on that end. Um, Eric has just posted his his uh, final rankings for the entry draft, which again last year remind me in um, in Cudmore's like final ranking of everybody's mock draft. You were third, correct? Uh, I think fourth. I think I thought you were third, but okay. Maybe I don't really. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, make sure you guys are reading. I mean, it's we've got amazing coverage of of, of the draft. Um, at, at, at on the four check and so make sure you guys are checking that out leading up over the next week um we may um you know make sure you guys are also keeping out uh, an eye out for any announcements about um we're planning on always doing a little bit of impromptu kind of live shows through locker room so this is the first episode we're doing as a proper podcast um but you know locker room is always something that can happen you know if it's it is 11 p.m central on monday right now and as of so far, Kyle Turris has not been bought out, and we know that you know Colin Blackwell hasn't been re-signed, and Craig Smith has said he's going to enter free agency. So I'm guessing we're not going to see um, see anything happen on that front until what that starts a couple days after the draft, I believe. So, um, but if that happens, we'll be doing those live on Locker Room, and that's something you guys can find. Um, right now, it's only on iOS, and you can go to joinlockerroom.com to join the waitlist. But I believe they're pushing out to the App Store. I don't know, very soon actually. So, um, keep an eye out for that. And again, we will p- record those and post those to the podcast feed. And I know this is fairly new, but you guys can find us right now for sure on, uh, Google podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts. Uh, you can go directly to our feed, which we'll have linked, um, on the, on our website. And we are in the process of getting it listed in a few other places. So make sure you guys are subscribing to that. We're going to have plenty of content for you because we have a very short off season. I didn't think I realized how short it was going to be, but we've got next week, the draft free agency opens. Uh, the buyout period is open right now. I believe uh, training camp starts in November. I think maybe the second week of November and then the season proper starts in December. So there's not a huge summer of, you know, trying to figure things out. Uh, we're smack dab in the middle of our, uh, report cards on all of the players from last season. We've gotten through almost, I'd say, 75% of our free agents or players who have been traded or are departing, likely to depart. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for that. We've got something scheduled for nearly almost every day um, over the next three weeks. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye out for that. And thank you for listening. So um, Eric and Eamon, thank you guys for joining. This is always awesome to talk about the draft with you guys because, um, you know, I trust you guys a whole lot on this. So yeah, I, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for chatting with us tonight, Brian. Uh, I think this is good, and I'm excited to 
dive in. I've, I'll have articles coming out for the next week about uh, Nationals draft board at each of their picks, so excited to talk about that more. Oh, and plug uh, Twitter. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, yes, you can find me at on the future OTF on Twitter, uh, dedicated to all the Preds prospects, uh, not just the fun ones. I don't discriminate. Uh, come to my feed for some Constantine Volkov tracking and mm-hmm. stay for the takes about Grant Mismash. Uh, That's just right. Kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. For you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gin and Juicy, uh, spelled like you say Saros, but you know, it's, it's a, a pun. Words. I yeah, haha, clever. Yes, uh, and, oh, for, awesome. Yeah, make sure, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> for just a random mess of things, be it me yelling about, uh, the Predators or whatever, posting my articles or, Maybe it's just me talking about Auburn football or whatever's happening right now, but it's just a nice little mix. Yeah, and um, I've, I've recently, like the last two months, put on my big boy pants, and now you can just find me on Twitter at, at Brian Baston, B-R-Y-A-N-B-A-S-T-I-N. Um, and again, you're going to get a lot of Pred stuff, as as you have pretty much all, you know, for the last, what, three years or so. Um, but, you know, now you're going to get to hear me alternate weeks probably of being angry at, at the Tennessee Volunteers or the Dallas Cowboys because it's going to happen every single week, at least one of them, if not both. Um, but, again, we, don't have a, we have a short off season, so I'll be able to push them out of my head and get back into Nashville pretty quickly. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys uh, this week, later this week, for this part two of our draft coverage.